Hey church, welcome to Beyond Sunday. This is week one of our new series in the book of James, and I am so excited to jump into this book over the next couple months. Um, Pastor Steve, you did a great job in kicking it off this weekend and preaching. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, I did uh, kind of preach today. It, it was awesome. Oh. And um, so I'm, I'm thankful for uh, the way that God spoke to you during the week and the words that he gave you to speak to us. Um, it was as if you were speaking to me hmm. um, in many ways. And so it was uh, it was refreshing for me to, to hear the sermon and mm-hmm. these reminders and these challenges um, Good for me. So so I appreciate that. Um, I'll just I'll just share a little bit, and then sure. I have a couple questions. We could dig into the, this text a little bit more. Yeah, let's Sound do good? it. All right. So, uh, so I've been in trials. You know, my mom passed away um, last year, and then my brother passed away this week on Wednesday. Um, That's right. Forty-five-year-old older brother, yeah. with uh, four kids, and um, so it's definitely it's one of those moments where you know it doesn't make sense. You cry out to God, "Why this is wrong?" Right. Um, in on so many levels. Um, and so it, it, what's been interesting for me is, is there have been moments where I have felt joy. Hmm. I've felt the Lord providing me this insane, not logical, hmm. upside down joy. Hmm. Uh, and it's not always there. There's been many, many moments where hmm. I don't, I, all I feel is grief or I see everything that's wrong in the situation. But I've also had moments of feeling that joy. Hmm. And what James is saying to us, it doesn't, it, it's true and it's, insane like it doesn't yeah. it w- without the cross obviously it doesn't make any sense at all well he sounds so much like jesus mm-hmm. jesus said so many things that were um contrary even to the religious faith that he was born and raised in where you have this god who does things a certain way and if you act a certain way this will happen if you act this other way this will happen and jesus comes in and he says oh no he says um almost like black is white Mm-hmm. Um, right is wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just shocked people with his teaching. Mm-hmm. His healings really comforted people, but his teachings were shocking. And James talks just like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He goes on. I mean, we're going to get to it. I don't know if we're going to get to it next week, but he goes on to say that the rich will be humiliated and the poor will be raised. Like he's yeah. he's doing what Jesus did. You're flipping everything upside down. Well, Billy's actually preaching that sermon on chapter two, so it'll be the week after. Okay. But I didn't touch it because in chapter two, he goes after it again. And Billy and I talked. He goes, no, I, I'm going to go, I'm gonna go there. Good. So next week is Becky. And all you got to do is start it by verse 16 and read the rest of chapter one. I don't know how she's going to, I don't know what she's going to have to leave mm-hmm. on the table. Mm-hmm. There's so much. Mm-hmm. What uh, you referenced a trial that you've been through, which some of us here at Cornerstone know a little bit about that trial, but what did that trial teach you about this passage? How did it inform you? You know what? I wasn't even reflecting on that this week until I was preaching. Mm. And it occurred to me that God had used a trial that I had been through to develop me as a pastor. Mm. And after a tough season, it was a long season, I became well-rounded and complete as a pastor before you know public speaker uh i'm pretty good at organizing things but not that compassionate Mm -hmm. frankly Mm -hmm. and through suffering god dug a whole new well inside of me where i dip in very frequently to compassion Mm -hmm. and uh, in a nutshell after seven years i had burnt myself out and uh, i hadn't taken enough time off i hadn't rested enough and stress, the stress of a rapidly growing church. Mm-hmm. And I collapsed physically. I uh, developed a, 
uh, disease called neurosarcoidosis, which apparently I was susceptible to, but the, the doctor said it was the exhaustion that brought it on. Mm. And then uh, out of that, because uh, it was in my brain, I dove into the darkness of depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, panic attacks, and truly thinking that my ministry was over. And that was almost 20 years ago. Mm. And uh, through that dark time, the Lord revealed himself to me in ways that I would have never known him or seen him. And now I actually miss, because I could almost hear his voice audibly sometimes in those nights when I couldn't sleep all night because of the pain. Mm -hmm. And I would just lay there by the fireplace and the Lord would just say, breathe in, breathe out. Mm -hmm. I'm here. I love you. I have a purpose for your life. And I would cry out to God, what's going to happen to me? And he said, don't worry. Just God, I'm allowing it. I could hear him. Mm. And, uh, that's what a trial will do if we if we respond the right way to a trial, especially a long one. The we can, well, the wrong way would be to just go dark on it and complain and moan and 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 maybe even isolate. Mm-hmm. The right way would be to say, no, I'm going to choose the right emotions. I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to choose. Uh, I'm still alive, and I'm going to bear up under this. And then the Lord's going to help me, and He did. Mm-hmm. And now I'm able to help so many people mm-hmm. after that that I really thank God for the trial I went through. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm grateful. Yeah. I resonate with that a lot in terms of I feel God softening my heart in ways. Yeah. that I, you know, Things I just, I don't, there's a lot of things I just didn't care about. You know right. what I mean? And even people, I don't, I don't care that much, you know. I'll, I'll get around to yeah. helping them when I feel like it. And um, yeah, I would never say that, but it's in there. And I, I can sense that changing. The One of the things I've been thinking about through the trial that I'm in right now is, um, my, my love of the world is lessening. Like, I mean, I still love the world. I love to go up to the snow. You know, there's all sorts of things about the world I love, but it just has less of a hold on me. I'm just, mm. I'm not as interested in it. Mm. I want to enjoy God's beauty and I want to enjoy God's people, but, um, that's, it just feels like putting my hope in those things. I've always known not to put your hope in those things, but mm-hmm. I feel it more like it's, it's, why put your hope in the things of this world? It just doesn't, it's going to let me down. It has let yeah. me down and it's going to continue to let me down. But when life's going great, you're not naturally thinking those things. No. Because you're like, my life's great. Mm-hmm. And I, in the sermon, I even reference people that will say, oh, I'm just blessed. I'm just blessed. And I find that so annoying mm-hmm. because what they're saying is my life's going great right now. And the Bible says you're blessed. I mean, read Jesus in Matthew 5. I'll tell you when you're blessed. You're blessed when you've lost everything. You're mm-hmm. blessed when you're mourning. You're blessed. Uh, and, and, and that's when God can truly bless us because there's a void he fills. And, uh, you know, the old saints used to sing, turn your eyes on Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. And what you're, what's happening to you, Chris, is in the light of what you've been through, both with the grief around your mother and the way you've helped your brother, Jamie, mm-hmm. and his, his wife's grief, and she's going to have to raise those kids now. Some of the things of this earth have grown pretty dim during that season. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the dross in you that doesn't reflect the image of Christ, mm-hmm. that he's burning off. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, we have to go through these things. A good doctor, you know, when I was going through my tough time, there was a team of doctors working with me. And the best doctors were the ones who themselves had suffered at some point in their life. Mm. And there was another doctor that was technically good, but the bedside manner was so terrible. And I realized later that guy's never been through any of this. Mm. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've I've come across people in this season who um, they they really they they have a perspective of God has failed in this situation or God has has um, not kept a promise. Mm-hmm. And I think it's oftentimes um, a lot of us ha- hold promises that we think God has made to us we, and we hold them in our heart and God never made Mm-mm. those promises, like promises that we are going to be happy or we're going to have a, a great life or, you know, we hold on to these things that God actually never said we would have an easy life. He actually said the opposite. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have a tough life. Not that there's not going to be good things, but um, that, that's been one of the interesting things is, is seeing how people feel like God didn't keep a promise and then thinking about it, I mean, like, I don't think God ever made that promise to that person. Yeah, and I think the devil can really use that. You know, God, the devil's an accuser, and he'll accuse us, and he'll accuse God to us. He's been doing that since the Garden of mm-hmm. Eden. Did God really say this? I mean, how mm-hmm. could God do this to you? And I think it is very important for us to not hold on to promises that God didn't actually give us. We see this a lot when people are, are dying. Mm-hmm. And it's not usually the person themselves, but their relatives. We say, no, they're going to be healed. They're going to be healed. And okay, while they're saying that, you want to pray with them about that. But then once that person passes away and their ultimate healing is actually for them to pass from death into life, sometimes you'll see that relative go into a tailspin. Mm -hmm. God, you promised me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you have to take it easy, but if there's any way we can remind that person, you know, I think that was you wanting that. I'm not sure God promised that. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard, though, because... It is hard, you know? You don't want to... No. I mean, we want to be comforting, you know? Mm-hmm. Paul talks a lot about comforting people and and um, that the Holy Spirit is there to comfort us, so... Mm-hmm. But we do pray for people that have been disappointed by God, mm-hmm. uh, that they can come back around and go, wait, maybe I was disappointed by who I thought God was that he's not. Mm-hmm. Um, change of topic. You got into temptation near the end of your message, but obviously we weren't able to spend a lot of time on it. Right. Was there anything around as you studied and prepared that you wanted to say around temptation or continue to teach us on? Well, I think that scripture that Paul gives us where he says that God will, with the temptation, provide a way of escape. Mm -hmm. And he says, no temptation uh, hits you that you do not have the ability to resist Mm -hmm. and that God will give you the ability to resist and will give you the escape route. And so... When we are greatly tempted, we need to, first of all, decide if we want to resist this temptation or if we're actually planning on giving into it. Mm-hmm. And that's where we have to really be honest with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if we are planning on giving into it, we have to, we have to ask ourselves, why would I be so dumb mm-hmm. again? Mm-hmm. So if we can change our mindset and say, no, I do want to resist the temptation, mm-hmm. then the scripture is very clear. The way to resist temptation is not to stay and fight it. Mm-hmm. The way to resist temptation is to flee. Mm-hmm. So I have a friend who uh, is a recovering alcoholic, mm-hmm. and he has to travel. And mm-hmm. when he's out of town, um, he he makes sure that his room doesn't have a mini bar or that the mini bar is locked and mm-hmm. he doesn't have a key because he has fallen mm-hmm. in his hotel room by himself and kind of rewarded himself for a good sales sure. meeting. And also, he'll go out and walk, and sure enough, his feet will take him right by a bar. Mm-hmm. And so what he has to do is he has to call his sponsor and he has to he has to decide, am I planning on resisting this temptation? Well, if you're going to do it, you got to flee. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most important thing that, and we used to teach this to teenagers, but then I became a, a pastor of adults and I discovered adults are just grown up teenagers. Yeah. They're the very same temptations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
one thing I, you know, I've noticed in temptation is that somehow, I don't know if it's my own mind, uh, or it's, you know, the enemy kind of whispering, but I would often, I have this feeling like this time I can handle it, <laughs> which is so stupid, but, but yeah, I got this. It. It's like, like you're telling this God, time I got, I got it. Yeah. And even though all the evidence is no, right. I don't know how we have this ability. Oh, this time I'll be able to, to handle it and control it. Because you want so to stupid. be, a, you want to continue to consider it. Yep. And what you really need to do is say, no, I'm weak. Mm-hmm. And when I am weak, he is made strong. And how is he going to be made strong? He's going to show me a flashing exit sign. I'm going to get out of here. And then also accountability. I'm going to mm-hmm. tell my friend, hey, pray for me. I've really, I'm really going through it right now. Mm-hmm. And that, I, you know, I mentioned AA. That's the beauty of the AA program is sponsorship. Well, mm-hmm. the Bible calls that discipleship. Mm-hmm. And so that's when you call a friend and you say, man, I'm really embarrassed, but um, Mm -hmm. I actually went on and looked at some pornography today and I don't Mm want to dive back into that pit that you and I both talked about that Mm -hmm. I was in deeply. So Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about that. Let's uh, pray for me and hold me accountable. Yep. That's what uh, the church is here to do. That's what it was meant for. Yeah. Anything else um, that you didn't get a chance to get to in this text that There's you were given? Because so I know you left a lot unsaid, untaught. Well, James, it's it's like over 100 verses. You could preach each verse. You could have 100 sermons out of the book of James mm-hmm. and not exhaust the topic. So um, I think my encouragement would be for everybody to read chapter 1 slowly mm-hmm. um, all week long because we're going to finish chapter 1 next week and we'll go into chapter 2 the third week. So read chapter one slowly and ask the Holy Spirit for your own application. Mm-hmm. Um, what I preached was what for me was the strongest point was persevere uh, under trial and that the trying of our faith develops that. So be joyful when you're in a trial. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, appreciate you joining us. Um, we're going to wrap this up and we're praying for all of, all of you who are uh, in a trial right now. And I join you in those prayers. Um, I know how you feel. It's tough, but uh, the Lord does have joy for us. And, um, and that's our prayer for you, is that you would make that decision to choose joy and that you would have moments ex- of experiencing the Lord's joy in the midst of your trials. And, and if you're not in a trial right now, um, a good prayer maybe who who is that I can come alongside and I can disciple or I can reach out to, I can pray for, and uh, we can be the church that Jesus called us to be. So hope you have a great week. Hope you have a great discussion with your community group. And uh, we'll continue with week two of the book of James next week with Pastor Becky Fitch. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks.